Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense. Brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies, and his guest is Jeffrey Wilinski, Director of Federal and National Sales for WTOP and the Federal News Network. The title of the show is The Purpose of a Salesperson. Over to you, John. Well, Jeffrey, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you for having me. You are welcome. I love the title, Purpose of a Salesperson. One obvious thing would, that I'm sure some of the listeners would come to mind is, well, uh, duh, I'm a salesperson. I know what my purpose is, is to sell stuff. So, But you've got a whole different spin on that. So let us know what you mean by it. Yeah, I want to thank you again for having me on the show. And one of the reasons I was excited to be on with you is most of the time when I've listened or heard or read your work, it gets into the way people think. And the great Yogi Berra said, 90% of the game is half mental. And so sales <laughs> is all about what's happening in two people's minds, both your mind and the mind of a customer. And uh, the purpose of a salesperson is something that came to me when recently, in late 2019, the Business Roundtable redefined the purpose of a corporation. Originally, they had put out for years that the purpose of a corporation was to drive shareholder wealth. And today, they added a variety of different things that are part of the purpose of a corporation. So it sparked me to think about the purpose of a salesperson. And I'll take a sales process that's very recent or something that everybody can relate to, buying a car. And I had my own experience where I went to a car dealership and the person thought that they were selling me in the traditional sense of the definition of the word sell. Give something in exchange for money or persuade someone of something. And this gentleman took me out on the lot and there was a specific car I wanted to see. He opened up the hood of the car. Now, what he didn't know is that I'm not a car person. He could have opened up the hood of that car and he could have put a Ferrari engine in a Honda body and I wouldn't have known the difference. And so what the purpose of a salesperson is not to persuade or sell me on something. The purpose of a salesperson is to identify what matters to me, then identify what I need and figure out how our two purposes can fit together and how their product, service, whatever it is that they represent can match with what I need and go from there. So there, there's, there's an even bigger part where you get into it from a further standpoint of, okay, once I identify what I need, maybe it's a car, maybe it's something else, a, a technology system, a media campaign, some engineering services, applies to every vertical there is. What do I need? How much do I value fulfilling that need? And what am I willing to part with in exchange for fulfilling that need? And I just go back to that example time after time. Really, as somebody like myself who isn't a car person, I really care about some of the things that make it more likely that I don't ding my car up, like backup cameras or little sensors that beep and scare me from getting too close to another car. And if he had 
started with those features, it would have changed the benefits that I saw in the car he was putting in front of me versus showing me something that I didn't care about, I didn't need to know. And if I never opened the hood of a car, I'd be happier than if I have to open the hood of the car. For me, it means that there's a problem. It's a great insight. And um, you know, when you watch the great salespeople at work, they're really using, you almost always follow a three-step process. Build rapport so the buyer feels comfortable with the salesperson. That takes a lot of research so you know what to, how to build rapport. Two, do a detailed needs analysis to find out what the buyer really wants. And then once you know what they want, offer a solution that fits. And if you don't have a solution, go find it for them. So totally agree. Listing then is almost always one of the most important skills. And if he would have just asked you what you were looking for in a car, <laughs> a simple question, he what? would have done a lot better, wouldn't he? And I think that that goes to oftentimes people talk about listening and the importance of listening. And I'll switch that word for communicating. The single most important word in the world today is communication. It takes both listening, but also asking questions and clarifying what people mean. So across everything that's happening in the world today, communicating with people, clarifying what they mean, and not interpreting, inferring, or guessing on what somebody else's answer is, actually asking, what do you mean? Instead of feeling like you think you know what that person means. And in today's environment, where we're often not able to be face-to-face as, as we were just a couple months ago, trying to understand what somebody is saying to us by reading them or body language or those types of things are so much harder. And it's, it's the simplest thing in the world to ask, what do you mean? Oh, is that important to you? How important is that to you? If I did X, would that be helpful? Those types of things are just teeny tiny, easy things to do, but really change the entire process in a way that instead of guessing, you're knowing. And I think a big piece of salespeople is it takes a level of confidence to go into sales in the first place. But sometimes that confidence is hurting us in that we're so confident or so quick to come to a conclusion or a decision that we're not taking the additional time to communicate to get the answer from the prospect or client. Because ultimately, we are not convincing people of things, we are connecting them to things. No, that's a great insight. I took a course at MIT. It was a short two-day course for executives. And I came away with three things. One, don't fall behind in e-commerce. That's kind of obvious today. Two, all corporations and all salespeople have two continuing problems. One, communications, internal and external. And two, focus. Totally agree with you about the communications, internal, external, to the customers, to your sales force, them to you, totally important. Absolutely. When it comes to communication, the other thing that I, I really think about, and, and this is something for the folks that are listening to the program, if you're a sales manager, you probably got to become a sales manager because you were successful in sales. I know that that was the case for me. And leading into the process of becoming a sales manager, I thought I had learned so much by making sales on my own, by achieving a number, by delivering results to the company. And what I 
quickly learned in transitioning from a salesperson into a sales leader was that I learned so much more by being in the sales leader role on the call because I was able to partner with so many different styles of different salespeople. And then I was able to step back and watch what was taking place on the sales call and understand, oh, this person is responding based off of this, or this person is responding differently to the way that that person did it. And the greatest thing a sales leader, sales manager, person of, um, of decision-making power in a sales organization can do is learn from their salespeople. There are uh, dozens of salespeople on your team. You get to go out with each of them a certain amount of time. Each of them has value to bring to the table, and they might not be able to, to enunciate or tell you what they have that they're bringing to the table, but if you can watch and pick up things from them, you can benefit the organization as a whole by bringing things from one salesperson to another salesperson, bringing things from one salesperson to yourself and bettering the sales organization based off of being able to see the game in a whole new way as the person who's not the direct sales contact and who's the, who's the sales leader on the team versus the salesperson. That has been enormous for me in understanding the psychology of sales. Good for you. I started six companies over many years and been a sales guy all my life. And my first sales job, I did pretty well. And I got promoted to sales manager. And it's the only job I've ever been fired from. And the reason was, I didn't take your advice. If I'd only known what you just said back then, maybe I could have made it. <laughs> I think it all worked out for you. It all worked out. But some of us, obviously, you're very well suited for both the salesperson and the sales manager. I'm actually very suited for sales, but not so much for the sales, the sales manager job. Not that I don't want to do it, it's I just couldn't succeed in it. I tried. I actually will follow up on that. And I know that this wasn't necessarily on some of the pre-calls that we had to talk about this, but it's an interesting piece. The purpose of a salesperson and the purpose of a sales manager are vastly different. And oftentimes, great salespeople don't make great sales management because the salesperson has to be laser focused on how they can serve their own clients. The sales leader has to be focused on how they can serve the organization, but also put the salesperson in the best place to achieve success. And for me, where I've seen my ability to help put salespeople in the best place to achieve success, obviously giving them confidence, making sure that the, the communication that we provide to them as a leadership team are clear and consistent and long-term. The single largest mistake that sales organizations make are wanting something to happen immediately. Things and sales and in general, things do not happen on our timetable. Things happen in a process. And when we try to speed that process up, then we get into a place where we are not going to get the desired outcome we want. The only way to speed up the amount of sales is by increasing the amount of people in your pipeline that you're talking to. So if I'm working with a salesperson, they're not happy with where they are. It's because they don't have enough interactions with clients or they're not creating the proper interactions. So if I assume that I've trained my salesperson properly, if I assume I identified a salesperson who can effectively deliver the process that matches the product services my company offers, the only conclusion I can come to as to why they're not at their number 
is that they're not talking to enough people because if the process works, if your product service is credible and delivers results to the clients, if your salesperson is able to deliver that process in a way that works for the client and your company, as long as they're talking to enough people, there should never be a question of will they hit their number or not. John, yeah, I totally agree. John, it's time to take a quick commercial break. And let's do that break to remind you that over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. That's right, natural aptitude. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ as they call it, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. If you want to find out how to find the winners and choose the right people, go to asherstrategies.com or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866 833 9941. And now back to our show. We've been speaking with Jeffrey Walensky about the purpose of a salesperson. Now back to John and Jeffrey. So, Jeffrey, great insight. I love that. In our previous discussions, you've also talked a lot about the sales mindset. Can you just elaborate on that a bit more for the salesperson? For me, my identity as a person, whether I'm at my own neighbor's house or religious function, entertaining people or interacting with people in a way that isn't related to work, there is an identity about my work that's part of who I am. So that's the first part of the mindset that my job, my career, the thing I represent matters to me. It's part of who I am. I'm proud of it. I believe in it. If all of those things are in place, you're in a position where you're able to succeed. And then the next part goes to something that you've studied a lot, which is that that head base. And I actually created this piece as it relates to youth sports, but I'll share it with you right now. And it's the three H's, the head, the heart, and the hustle. Everything for every single human being starts in their head. You cannot achieve anything if your head isn't right. So first you have to have a focus and be mentally sound and ready to do the work. The next part goes to the heart aspect of this. How bad do you want it? Is there a burning desire inside of you that is going to take the fact that your head is in the right place and then drive you? That heart is the drive that you hear people talk about. That salesperson has so much drive. They filled their pipeline with so many prospects. They network. They do all of the things that lead to success. And then the last piece is that hustle, is how much effort do you put in? This is a job, unlike the, the class you mentioned at, at MIT, there are there's certain things that they teach at MIT. If I don't know how to do those things, I'll never be able to be successful as an uh, engineer or somebody in computer science. I can't out-hustle an engineer to get to the result of uh, creating a bridge or a building, but I can out-hustle somebody in sales, meaning I can work harder, I can work longer, I can work smarter, I can do more research, I can ask better questions, I can practice. One of the things that our sales team does is practice, and a lot of people feel uncomfortable with it. Role play, practice, record yourself, practice. Uh, leave messages for yourself, leave messages for others. 
and get constructive criticism. I've been selling professionally. I'll define that as not uh, uh, relying on anybody else to create my income for 20 years. Always been in sales and never had the same paycheck twice. And so in that place, the result of what I get as far as compensation relates to how hard that I worked. And so when you think about the motivation that goes into what's part of the sales process, you can impact your own outcome regardless of how much professional training you might have had by practicing, by honing your craft and by asking for constructive feedback. And so somebody like myself, even though it's been 20 years, I'm going to ask you after this podcast, hey, John, how did I do? What can I do better? And I'm not going to have the ego to make myself think that whatever you tell me, I'm going to get defensive about. It's fascinating to see when a great salesperson gets defensive about feedback. So you want to go back to the first segment we talked about, what can I do great as a sales leader for the people on my team? Give constructive feedback on how they can get better and have the tough conversation on when there's something that they did that could have been better. Don't present it as a problem, present it as an opportunity, because if we are not getting better every day, we're selling ourselves short because the world changes every day and we have to change with it. Great insight. The, I'll give you a couple of thoughts based on what you said. You mentioned the, uh, the three H's for the sports teams that you coach. What immediately came into my mind was the flash of Michael Jordan. I know you know this, but so many coaches have this mantra with their team, and that is, be like Mike, because he had those three H's probably together more than almost any other athlete I've really ever seen. Maybe Kobe came close. And you mentioned the importance of role-playing. We have a saying in our company, don't role-play in front of the customer. <laughs> Absolutely. Always to your, your role playing uh, before. Well, I love your thought about feedback. We have a tremendous feedback process in our company. And even though I don't actually want people's feedback, I know I must get it. I probably get more feedback than almost anybody I know of. And just because, as you suggest, it's so valuable. You can't get better hardly without feedback. Something you said I'll add to, and that is when you think about everybody wants to say, hey, be like Mike. Everybody is not going to, to be that, but how can you be your own best? How can you right. best your best? Something that came from one of the salespeople on our team, a woman named Rachel Dash. How can I best my best? And so the cool thing about sales is you set your own record each year and you can beat that record. And we want people who strive to best their best. Excellent. Just another question or two. You mentioned that results are this key piece to your sales identity. So what, what do you really mean by that? Is that same as mindset or a little different? Our sale is something that's a, a continuing sale. I define it as the renew, grow, find strategy. We have a phenomenal customer base that relies on us for day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, that they need our products and services to drive growth and success in their business. So we need to renew that core base. If you think of it as a, a political campaign, you need to rally the base and get them to continue to spend with you at that core level. Renew the base. 
Then you also have to grow the base. What ways of products or services has the company distributed out there or, or introduced to the market that you can grow your client base with? How can you be of more value to the people who got you where you are today? Growing those relationships. So the renewal is we're already friends with these people. Let's stay friends with them. The grow is let's create even deeper bonds with them, spend more time with them, sell them more and deeper products. And the find is identifying new companies that can be part of our advertiser, our client base than before. And I think that what's happened in the world with this COVID situation and however long it lasts that we're in the virus scenario, one thing that is clear with people working from home is that the value of an in-person appointment has increased dramatically. We all know that the value of an in-person is more valuable than not being in-person. And now it's harder to get in-person. So when we have those in-person appointments, that value has risen so far that to our previous conversation about practice, there is no way that we can just wing it when we go out to an in-person or even a Zoom call or a virtual appointment or whatever you have. The value of that appointment has just increased because FaceTime with customers has likely decreased. What are you doing to be prepared to get the most out of the time in front of the customer. And so as a sales leader, my job is to make sure the team is prepared to get the most out of the customer and is doing that work so that afterwards, when we're having the feedback part of it, we're able to give the feedback of you were prepared, you hit your key points, you were able to extract the needs from the customer and match the benefits that people seek from us to the needs that this customer had. Let's move to the next steps versus some sort of constructive feedback of how we had a piece that might have not went the way we wanted it to go during that appointment. Oh, excellent. How we train our customers during a recession like COVID is first focus on the customers you've got because you don't want them going somewhere else because the status quo bias, you want to enforce it so they stay with you. Second, focus on the customers that were in your pipeline. And then third, focus on that third of the prospects, prospective companies that are growing. So nationwide survey, a third of the companies have been growing through this pandemic. A third have been down up to 25% and another third, 25 to 75%. So those are the typical priorities we're, we've been advising our customers. And then the second thing that you mentioned, a Zoom call now, if you're properly prepared, can be almost as good as an in-person meeting because you really can read the body language. You really can look people in the eye. So it's a lot better than just a phone call. I think this whole Zoom phenomena has, is a really a, a fundamental shift that we're going to see. I agree with you. And I think that there's one other thing that we talked about as we met each other and started to come up with the idea of doing this program together that I shared with you and I'll apply it to, uh, to sales. There's three things that happen in our heads as salespeople that the purpose of the salesperson is to do all of these things that obviously ultimately result in revenue for the sale. But the purpose of the salesperson is also to be in the right mind as the frontline communication between the company that they represent and the client base that makes sure that that company can stay in business. So there's three things that have to happen in that salesperson's mindset. And we talked a little bit about the head. We made jokes about how the Yogi Berra quote and all of that types of things. But the first piece, salesperson, you wake up today. You cannot regret what happened yesterday. You can't regret that sales call you may have not 
done correctly, that piece of business that you lost, that client that you made unhappy, you cannot change the past. Don't bring misgivings of the past with us, right? The next piece, don't worry about what somebody else on the sales team did or didn't do. You are on a sales island and you are judged by what you're able to do or not do. Comparing yourself to others on the sales team is a recipe for disaster. I understand, strive to be or beat the best on your team, but comparing yourself to what somebody else has done or has or is, worry about yourself, focus on yourself, improve yourself and get yourself to your own goals. And then lastly, massively celebrate when you get to those goals. Do not delay your happiness. We always live in the future. We live in the future on the next sale, the next quarter, the next budget. But let's take the time to celebrate the past because if we live in the future, we'll delay our happiness to, I can't wait till I hit this or I can't wait till I get that or I can't wait till I have this many prospects or sell this many dollars or have this many clients effectively allow yourself to enjoy the successes that you've had so that you can be in the proper mindset to continue to have successes as you move forward. John, John, it's time for a quick wrap up. All right. Terrific. So Jeff, it's been so fun having you on the show. I love your insights from your, all your experience as a sales manager and the results for WTOP, probably the the country's most successful uh, radio station, just just speak to how effective you've been. And as you probably know, many people who will listen to this podcast are walking the dog, running, (laughs) driving, and may not be able to write down everything you said, of course. But if you're going to leave people just three quick bullet points, what would it be about sales? The first one is identify opportunities. The only way you can do that is by asking questions. The best sales come from the best questions. Once you have the answers to those questions, sharing the solutions to those opportunities that the prospect or client has identified where your companies may be a fit. And during that sharing solutions, identifying how much resources they're willing to put behind both financially and their own time, people, resources internally. How badly do these opportunities and solving these opportunities with your products or service matter to them? And then last is measure results. We as a sales industry oftentimes are so focused on the front end. I want to sell them something. I want to do the needs analysis. I want to find a new prospect make sure that we're invested in the results of that current customer base because two things will happen. The renew grow piece of our model absolutely is the biggest foundation of the business itself. And then the second part is when you have a customer who believes in you, who is happy and feels that you've done right by them, they will talk to other people. They will fill you with confidence. They will be a customer for life. And so if you move on too fast and only focus on new opportunities or sharing solutions and don't focus on their results, then you're missing the part of our business only exists if they get results. Our business only continues to be a viable entity if we solve somebody else's problem and they're willing to compensate us for solving that problem. So we have to know how we did for them. We have to know what those results are and we have to care about that. 
that care piece, have passion for your job, believe in what you do, know it, deliver it, and love it and live it. That's what I'll leave you with. <laughs> I love the part, last part, love it and live it. Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great. We'll have to do another one. Well, I'll leave you with that one last thing. If you remember one thing, what is the thing you want to leave somebody with on a sales call? Make sure they comprehend what you want to communicate with them because the communication is key, but knowing what you want to communicate is also extremely important. I'm grateful to be on the show and appreciate all that you've done for the sales community. Thank you so much. And thank you, John and Jeffrey. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to join us again next week at the same time. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of Asher Sales Sense, right here in the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you. 